0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: This is Southern New England's only home for Sporting News Radio, AM 1320, The Drive, W-A-R-L, Attleboro, Providence. Sporting
0: News Radio.
1: It's Revolution Recap, a weekly review of the New England Revolution and Major League Soccer on WARL 1320 The Drive with your host, Sean Donahue.
2: Welcome to Revolution Recap. We're here every Sunday from 7 to 8 p.m. reviewing the latest action of the New England Revolution, Major League Soccer, and the U.S. national team right here on AM 1320 The Drive as well as over the internet at 1320TheDrive.com. Joining me today in studio is Dave Ackman, and last night, uh, two great games, U.S. getting a 1 1 tie. Uh, we'll talk more about that later in the second half of the show uh, New England Revolution getting a 1-1 draw against D.C. United uh, Jeff Laurent, to which we'll have him on later in the show talking about that game And really a great performance by the Revs. I thought they deserved more than one point out of the game They had the better chances in the game uh, Something like four one-on-one opportunities with the goalkeeper That uh, they really should have done better with Kyle Brown, I thought, played well in as first start, started, got in some great positions Maybe should have done better with some of those chances there But at the same time, Taylor Twelman had a breakaway, and he failed to convert. So when you have an experienced guy like that missing it, uh, it becomes a little more acceptable to see the guy making his first uh, start for the team miss one of those.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think you saw that uh, in um, a lot of the chances, Twelman had that one big breakaway, hits the goalie in the leg, and there was the other chance by Dorman where he hits the post. I mean, I thought that was a pretty solid chance. And I mean, Brown had the ball a couple times right on the edge of the box where he had a chance to do something. So I think all in all, we had a you know we had a pretty good offensive night compared to the past couple of games. We just didn't get a, any luck.
2: Troy Perkins certainly had a good game, and uh, I, I think the Rebs would have much rather have seen a guy like Nick Romano who has been kind of in the down. Uh, slide since he started off well in the early in his career, but he's been more <laughs> error prone. Uh, the injury lost the starting spot. Troy Perkins, he hasn't gotten it back. I thought Troy Perkins had an excellent game, and he was really part of the reason that they kept that he, they did so well in those breakaways. He did everything uh, he could do to stop those. But at the same time, the Rev should have done better with those chances, especially a guy like Twalman.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think the only thing you can ask the goalie to do is get in a solid position and do everything he can to stop it, and that's exactly what Perkins did. And, you know, once the uh, forward, you know, mishits it just a little bit, that's what a goalie's supposed to do. I mean, he made one fantastic save on the Dorman chance that was going to go into the top right corner, you know, from a tough angle. He, you know, dove full extension and not only, you know, hit the ball, but he grabbed it and held on.
2: At the same time, the revs were without... Uh 11 players due to injury uh, they could have a complete starting 11 out of the injured players alone and then add into add in that the players who are off the national team, Clint Dempsey and Avery John and, and it's amazing that the Revs were able to play so well against DC United who have been the top team in the league so far. Uh, right now they have 26 points uh, greater than FC Dallas in the West with 24 T- top team in the league um, they've made a 13 point gap between the Revs. Uh, it would have been nice for the Revs to get a win I think they deserved to win with the chances they had but at the same time, it was good that Amy Dorman scored that late goal to keep it tied and keep the gap where it is.
3: Yeah, exactly. I think you know, getting no points out of that game would have been a very unfair result. I think you know, DC has been on great form, and it just shows that how you know one good chance for Moreno can turn into a goal pretty easily. That guy, he's been scoring since he's gotten into the uh, MLS, and it shows.
2: Yeah, hi Moreno with a great goal. is eighth of the season, uh, right up there at the top of the goal scoring charts, behind. It seems kind of like it's Back in the past The league With uh, those two players At the top of the scoring charts um, Hopefully a guy like Tom Will start catching up To that soon uh, Really he's kind of Been in poor form uh, In comparison to last season Where he won MVP he Had a, a good streak for Going for uh, Three or four games But that was a while ago And now he's had One goal last game This game he blew Some golden opportunities so I, I think the Revs need to get a little bit more out of him if they're going to start winning these games, especially with all these players missing.
3: Yeah, exactly. I think, uh, you know, he's had his chances and he just hasn't finished. I don't think it's anything to worry too much about. You know, it's still mid to early in part of the season, so he's still got some time to get back into form for the playoffs. I think, you know, they're in comfortable shape to make the playoffs as long as they, you know, keep up the results they've been getting the past couple of weeks.
2: And some of the players filling in were uh, Tony Lockhead at left back uh, with Joe Franchino's injuries and James Riley's Injury as well. I thought he played uh, very good at left back. Um, some of his performances at left mid, I wasn't extremely impressed by. But I, he's he's it was a, he's a left back for uh, the New Zealand national team. He's been a left back through college. I think he showed that he's much better at the left back position.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think he seems a lot more comfortable. I mean, you can tell that he's much more comfortable, you know, in the defensive role. Even when he was at left mid, you saw that, you know, his you know his bigger. Tendency was to move back towards his own goal And help out on the defense rather than pushing forward And getting good crosses in So I think you know left back is a good
2: spot for him And the other player, Jeff Laurentiewicz Who uh, got one of his first starts for the team Starting in uh, center midfield It looked like defensive midfield with Shari Joseph I thought he played an excellent game um, he, he seems to be doing really well for the team so far uh, Coming into the season After only playing like two minutes at all of last season And he came in as a defender Now he's been asked to play all over the midfield He seems to have adapted really well going into this game, and I'm sure part of that has been uh, the Reserve League and getting all those games last year and this year at a level of competition that's not that far below MLS.
3: No, I mean, the Reserve League isn't really that much of a drop-off film, and I think you've seen uh, with uh, Nickel, I mean, he's developed a lot of good defensive midfielders in his time in here. You know, I mean, he made Dempsey into a pretty decent defensive midfielder his first year, too. So I think, you know, the combination of Nickel and, and the Reserve League has really helped, you know, our defensive midfield
2: role. Certainly watching a guy like Charlie Joseph couldn't have hurt either.
3: Oh, definitely. I mean, he's got a great bunch of people. You know, Daniel Hernandez, they're all very good defensive midfielders.
2: And some of the other results coming in, uh, Red Bulls being the Galaxy, that puts them uh, tied for points with the Revs. So the Revs are going to have to watch out there. Their precarious position as far as playoffs right now, uh, the fourth spot in the East, uh, only one point back from the Columbus crew. So certainly they can move up, but at the same time, uh, a lot of the season's left to be played, so that it's good that they're picking up points here and there now while they're missing all these players due to injury in the national team.
3: Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think, you know, with it, especially with all the injuries, if they can keep getting these 1-1 one, one draws, 3-3 three, three draws, I mean, it's only going to build confidence when guys like Noonan are back to full health, you know, Dempsey's back from the national team. I think it'll give them a lot to look forward to for the end of the summer and
2: in, into the early fall. And player like Andy Dorman, I think, has had a breakout year with all these players out injured. Uh, he's really been one of, if not the best player for the team recently. Uh, scored the goal last night to tie it. Scored uh, the goal, the, the game last weekend to, to tie it and also scored an earlier goal that was called outside, and he also had an assist in that game. So Dorman has been a, a key part of the revolution recently.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think he's been, uh, you know, he's been moving around too. He's played a little on the wing. It even seemed like at the end of the l- game last night, he was almost moving up as like a third forward at w- some points. So I think he's really, you know, he's really a versatile player, and he get he likes to get into the
2: attack, and he also
3: can defend too. So he's really become an important player for the Revs.
2: He's also gotten his green card. Fairly recently, so now I won't even count as a international player uh, when he gets to that age where it would be a senior senior international.
3: Yeah, exactly. I think you know having that green card coming in is really an important thing
2: for him. And we have some comments from Andy Dorman from the game last night, and we can play those for you now.
0: Andy, this seems to be a bit of a breakout year for you. I mean, what's is there anything that's felt different this year in terms of anything that you feel like you're doing different or something that's clicked? Um, I, I guess just starting every game, you get into a routine, and it's easier to you know, settle when you, when you get out there. Um, that's, I mean, that's, that's all I can really point to. And second time in a row you've been able to put one in the lake, put one in the back of that lake. How's that been? Yeah, it's good. Um, it's a shame enough to win the game. Um, the last two weeks has been you know, to pull back and draw after I think both games we should have won them. Won them both if we have taken our chances. Um,
1: so, I don't know, it would have been better if we'd have won. That said, how important was it just to at least get a point against the, the top club
0: in the league? Um, yeah, I mean, it's better than no points, but I think we feel more like it's two points dropped than anything else. Uh, we had a lot of chances. Um, just didn't, didn't put him away.
2: That was Revolution midfielder Annie Dorman on uh, last night's result. Um, had an excellent game, and the goal he scored was a, a great goal. It looked like a, a striker up there, and some of his goals recently have looked like that.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think it was a very skillful shot, and I think uh, even the shot that he you know, had saved was a nice you know, left footed curling shot. I think he's really shown that he has you know, an eye for goal.
2: It almost seems like with these injuries recently, uh, and this game and the last game, he's almost pushed up more into an offensive position playing almost like a forward, I thought, in the last game. And this game also pushed up a lot as well. And it's really paying off. He's been a player who's uh, scored some great goals in the past that have really helped the team out, some very important goals, game-tying goals. And it it seemed like that was a possibility at, at some point that they would move him up to forward. And now that he's more in an advanced position, he has been scoring those goals.
3: Yeah, I mean, he's definitely, you know, ever since you know they gave him the nickname, you know, he was the super sub to begin. And then, you know, he slowly started working himself in those starting lineups. So I think it's definitely
2: something that, you know, Long-term, he could definitely become a very important attacking threat for us come down the road. And uh, on D.C. in that game, obviously the big name everyone knows about, Freddie Adu, I thought the Revs did a very good job of defending against him today. Uh, Lockhead did well. Ralston did well down that side. And Adu has been playing. I, thought, I think Adu has been having a great year this season, um, up near the top of the league in assists. And I thought the refs did a great job covering him, and did really a great job against the whole D.C. team that's in first place in the league right now.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think uh, except for that one play against Moreno when he just got you know a little bit of space. I think they really, they really clamped down. I mean, Lockhead had a great game. He only let Adu get a couple wide shots, you know, from the outside that he could only really scuffle along the ground because of the tough coverage.
2: And certainly, we talk about um, this being a team that's champions, championship contender. Last year, made it to the final game. Uh, this year with so many people out, several starters probably half the starting lineup almost out, out during this stretch as well as many of the bench players uh, you look at their bench last night, none of the players had any MLS experience on their bench so it's it's amazing that they are getting these re- results and I think it also shows that they weren't able to bring anyone off the bench and that hurt them as well late in the game or they did bring in Danny Wynn uh, extremely late but he was just making his MLS debut not having that experience on the bench as well as hurting them
3: yeah exactly, I mean you know, you'd like to be able to make a sub around the 75th minute every once in a while for tactical reasons or even just, you know, if someone's tired. And it's really hard when everyone on your bench is really a, you know, a rookie right out of the reserve league. I mean, you'd like to be able to get them involved, you know, when you have good opportunities. It's tough in a, you know, a one nothing, you
2: know, when you're trailing. And I think Steve Nichol has done a good job of bringing up some of these younger players, as you can see, uh, how they stepped right into the game. Uh, he brought them slowly into some of the earlier games as substitutes, and then they are ready to start. And I think Steve Nichol was pleased with the result last night and the performance of those players. And we can play the comments of Steve Nichol from last night's game now.
4: You know, I have no complaints. You know, absolutely. The, the effort and the commitment from the players is phenomenal. You know, we have a, an 18-man roster here, and we've got nine of them injured for today's game. You know, we got two, two developmental players in the starting eleven, and another six sitting on the bench. You know, the effort from, from all those guys and, and the guys in the roster who have been playing consistently you know the effort and stuff is just phenomenal. But again, this team doesn't throw the towel in, keeps going, and, and um, you know we absolutely deserve something out of the game. Um, but you know we need to we need to take our chances when they come along and get a nose in front, and then you know then the roles are reversed. We can keep the ball. Other teams have to come out, and then they can leave some gaps. Coach,
0: what you always have a fitness for your players on the bench, and did you maybe consider bringing <coughs> in Sims?
2: of
4: the, the game no well he said t- two full days of training in the last six weeks so it really wasn't it really wasn't on and Kyle Brown did did a great job especially the second half um, Jeff Lewis obviously in the middle of the park with Charlie. I mean everybody played the part and
0: obviously the reserve league was supposed to designed to alleviate some of these
4: roster crunches but that hasn't technically exactly seemed to help this year Would, what do you think about that well, I, I, I don't know about that I mean I, what's happening to us is pretty unusual you know you don't have you don't have half year team banged up at one time that's, that's a real real cork of fate I think if we had, hadn't had the reserve team we would have been in trouble we would have nobody to call upon so Would you
1: like to see the league
4: uh, make an effort to even further expand that program? Um, Yeah yeah, absolutely I mean it's it's, it's it's great for the players who are not playing regularly to get to get games but obviously when we do have injuries it means that players are in good shape to come in and play and that's what you saw tonight you know Jeff and Kyle um, are in good nick, because number one, they train hard, but number two, they've been playing some reserve games as well, so that when they do get a chance they're they're ready to take it.
1: Comment on Matt Reese's
4: play. Yeah, I mean, he, he's made a couple of saves, uh, which really have looking at it now are huge, especially the one that, you know, in the 90th minute. Um, but he just gives confidence to everybody. You know, it's important you have a not an old geezer, but you, you have an experienced guy who... When you're turning around and you see him between the pipes, you're quite happy.
0: Seems like Dorman's having a breakout season.
4: Yep. Uh, I mean, what can you say about Andy Dorman? He's, he's had a fantastic year so far. And long may it continue.
2: That was Revolution head coach Steve Nichol on last night's game. And I'm joined in studio with uh, Dave Ackman. And now over the phone we have Revolution defender, midfielder. Uh, really been playing everywhere recently for the Revs, uh, Jeff Lerontowicz. Jeff, can you hear me? I can. Thanks a lot for joining us today.
0: Sure, um... Uh, Last night's game,
2: obviously, a a tough game against D.C., the first-place
0: team in the league. How was it like for that to be one of your first starts? I'm sorry, say that again.
3: Uh, We were just wondering what you thought of uh, having, you know, a tough game against D.C. and uh, how you felt playing, you know, the full 90 minutes.
0: Well, I think any game with D.C. is always a tough game, any game in conference, especially since this year they're at the top again. But, um... I don't know, going 90 minutes is a lot easier than coming off the bench and getting a feel for the game from the start is always what you'd rather have other than coming on as a sub. So, I don't know, two games in a row, 90 minutes, it, it feels good.
2: And last year, only playing one minute, are you happy with how the Audi improved uh, with the increase in playing time this season?
0: Of course, of course. I'd be lying if I said no. I mean, this is what I waited for all last year, and now that I get my chance, I want to make the most of it.
2: Growing up in California, how was it like um, moving to New England first when you went to Brown, and now with the Revolution?
0: Well, I was actually—I uh, was actually only born in, in California. I, I grew up in, in Philadelphia. That's why it's sort of uh, sort of misleading when it says I'm from Pasadena, California. It's just where I was born.
2: And how was your experience at Brown right here in Providence?
0: Well, that's—that that was was great. I mean. I came to Brown trying to get a good balance between athletics and academics, and uh, the way things turned out, um, I pretty much made the most of both of them and came out with a pretty balanced, um, pretty balanced resume. I was, I was able to uh, make the move into professional soccer, which uh, wasn't on my mind from the start, but I'll take it in the end
2: and last season getting all the time with the uh, reserve league with the team there how did that help you adapt to the uh, level of play in MLS well as
0: I said before it just it it sort of just uh, gives you like comfort in wearing the jersey and and playing with teammates and and understanding the league a little bit I mean uh, not getting any first team experience was tough but I think the the reserve league affords you the opportunity to show what you what you can do uh in an MLS jersey for an MLS team.
2: And with a coach like Steve Nickel, who was obviously a great defender, how has he helped you uh, to become a better player?
0: Oh, Steve's great. I mean, he's, he's shown for the last year and a half uh, a lot of confidence in me. I mean, last year it was a little tougher because, you know, we didn't have any injuries and everyone played great and we were on top of the league from day one. But, I mean, like I said, he's always had confidence in me and that's, you know, what you want as a player.
2: And against a team like D.C. which uh, with such skillful players as Jaime Moreno and Christian Gomez, did you ever really experience a- anything like that before Against going against such uh, talented players?
0: Uh, no, and it, it's kind of interesting because uh, you always talk about players that you grew up watching, and Jaime Moreno's been in the league since day one, and I remember when I was younger watching him play in MLS Cup one, and uh, I don't know, just getting to that point where you can play against him and kind of tackle him a little bit, so it's always so fun.
2: And with some of the clear opportunities the team had last night, did it, does it feel like two points lost or one point gained?
0: Um, I say that the chances went both ways. Uh, they were counterattacking a lot in the second half, so we had we had probably a fair share of the possession. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, we had we had some we had some good chances, but I'd say that uh, I'd say that we definitely felt like we we missed out on two points.
2: And with all the different positions you had to play this season, it seems like you've had to play just about every position on the field. How is it to uh, adapt to all those different positions?
0: Well, uh, it, it's been good. You know, I'm waiting for Matt Reese to go down so that I can hop in there and put the gloves on. But, no, just kidding. I, I, I think that uh, just the way that I grew up playing in club soccer, I played in all different positions, and it just sort of molded me into the player that can adapt. So I don't really mind where I play on the field.
2: Has Shari Joseph been a... Uh, a good role model to watch as far as moving into the defensive midfield role?
0: Of course. I mean, last year, getting a chance to watch him off season, and I, I really learned a lot, you know, in terms of not only playing on the field, but also leadership. And, and he's been a le- great leader on the team. And he's he's helped me, you know, sort of turn baby steps into bigger steps this year. So I, I obviously look up to him in the midfield.
2: And watching the U.S. national team game, uh, what did you think of that game, and is that something that you hope to aspire to in the future?
0: <laughs> well, I don't aspire to get red-carded, but uh, I, I definitely, I, I've obviously, like everyone else in the nation, have had a close eye on, on the guys for the last you know, year and a half, two years. And I think uh, to come as far as we've come and, and to to get a game and a referee like that, I think it really ruined the game. But, um, I mean, they've they put themselves in a position to... to get a result on match day three, and hopefully they can do it in, in advance, you know.
2: And how is it to be missing uh, players like Clint Dempsey and Avery John, and is it fun to be able to watch them in the World Cup, knowing them personally?
0: Uh, it was great. I mean, obviously we were screaming our necks off for the U.S. to do well, but every time Clint got the ball yesterday, it was like, you know, you're you're hoping a little bit hoping a little bit more than uh, any other player to do well, because, I mean, you know him so well, you see him in the locker room every day, he's a good guy, and... You just hope that he can uh, continue to make a, a good name for himself out there.
2: And we we hear your dog in the background. How's he doing? Oh,
0: uh, he's it's my neighbor's dog. Actually, I have to walk away from my house to get reception on my cell phone. So I've got cars passing by and uh, dogs barking and kids on skateboards. So I'm trying not to uh, try not to get hit here.
2: <laughs> and was the whole team watching the game last night together?
0: Yeah, I'd, I'd say uh, a good a good portion of the team is watching it. It's some someplace in the locker room, whether the training room or in the lounge or by the locker.
2: And with the gap that D.C. is building here at the top of the table, uh, how important was it to get that tie and not let it expand any bigger?
0: Well, I mean, every game we're, we're especially games at home, we're, we're going in looking for three points, but um, I don't know. It's a long, it's a long season and uh, the way that the playoffs work out at the end of the year as long as we get ourselves into uh, a good position and we can make a move uh, in revolutionary fashion at the end of the season, I think uh, I think we'll be all right, because no matter what team lines up on the field who you're playing against, it's always a tough game, and it's always going to be, uh, the records are always thrown out, so at the end of the season, no matter if we're on top or if we're in that fourth visit, I think that we'll be able to do well.
2: And how was the experience last year with the team going all the way to MLS Cup, and you being a part of that and watching along?
0: Huh. Here comes a guy on a dirt bike Sorry about that um, MLS Cup was great I mean To be able to go that far In your first season And uh, see what You know The league was really all about On top Was great You know I think As a rookie It's always great to uh, To get experience On the field But in a situation like that Where you've got veterans That can go out there And show you what it's all about And how, how to play Day in and day out And get to the final Is uh, was Experience enough
3: Hey, Jeff, it's David Ackman. Um, I was just wondering, you know, I, said, I know you said earlier that you weren't expecting to, you know, make the pros when you were in college, but how would you get started as a kid?
0: Uh, well, actually, on Father's Day, I guess it works out because I wrote my dad an email today, but my dad wants to put me in sort of every every athletic team and, and sport in the area, and I, I guess I've been playing since I was about four or five years old, you know, running around in the, in the local field, so I think... Uh, my parents put me out there, and, and I just sort of developed a love for soccer over all my other sports.
2: And I see you in uh, Chestnut Hill Academy in Philadelphia. You also played soccer, basketball, and golf. Uh, how did the decision go to really focus on soccer?
0: Well, <laughs> I, I, wasn't, I wasn't tall enough to play basketball, and I couldn't putt well enough, so I, picked, I guess <laughs> I picked soccer.
2: <laughs> and uh, we see you uh, are a fan of AC Milan. Listen, your profile uh, how is it to be watching that those players uh, play for Italy against the U.S. and uh, see guys like Dempsey playing there? Does that make it even more of something that you'd like to do to play against guys like that?
0: Yeah, you always hope so. And, and this summer, when as, as teams come over, like when we play against uh, Celtic and other teams in the league, you're going to get a chance to play a bar, against Barcelona. It it really it really shows that you know MLS and American soccer and me are, are moving closer to that point whether it's in a, an exhibition game or not, or in the World Cup, as it is for Clint. But it's always cool to see uh, the guys that you brush shoulders with in the locker room kind of go out on the field and gain respect from players like Toti and Gattuso. I remember yesterday, Clint got tackled and fouled by uh, Toti, and he kind of turned to him and they shared a couple words, and I thought that was really cool.
2: And with the two big games coming up against Columbus and Salt lake obviously teams that aren't doing that well in the league so far, uh, what does the team need to do to make sure they can get points out of those games? And with the game so quickly apart, how does, is there anyone coming back that uh, might be healthy to help the team in those games?
0: Uh, as, as far as injuries go, I, I'm not really sure. Um, things change in, in a day in our locker room, so you never know. But um, the positions of the teams we're playing, uh, it doesn't really matter. As I said, I think records get thrown out, especially in a situation where we're playing two games in... in four days um and being on the road the entire time it's gonna be difficult but i think the team just needs to stay focused on our goals which is you know three points in every game and go from there
2: and with columbus being just a point ahead of the team uh, how key would it be for the team to win that game and move up in the standings
0: yeah i mean it's a long season jockeying for position is always important and especially with a team in your conference that's that's close by in points so uh I don't know. We're going to have to go into uh, a tough environment and hopefully come out with three points.
2: Well, I'd like to thank you for joining us today, and good luck in the next two games. Thanks a lot. Uh, that was Jeff uh the Revolution midfielder, defender, and just about every position uh, he's needed to play this season. And we're going to take a quick break here, and then we'll be back with more Revolution Recap, and we'll discuss the U.S. National Team and the World Cup.
1: The cold weather doesn't mean you have to stop working out. Exercise at a four-star facility that's close to work and is open 365 days a year. The Capital Club. The Capital Club Fitness Center is located in the Westin Hotel in downtown Providence. and offers treadmills with personal TVs built in, an indoor pool and jacuzzi, and eucalyptus steam rooms. Get top-of-the-line strength and conditioning equipment in classes ranging from Pilates to boot camp at the Capital Club. Quarterly memberships start at just $235. So stop by the Capital Club at the Westin Hotel in Providence and ask Tammy to customize a program for you. You don't have to go to Providence or Boston to get the very latest in rehabilitation therapy. There's a state-of-the-art facility that can help you with physical, occupational, or speech therapy on the south coast. It's Clifton Outpatient Rehabilitation Clinic in Somerset, Mass. Take the first step in getting back on the road to recovery and call Clifton at 508-675-7589 for Clifton Outpatient Rehabilitation Clinic.
0: This is Deborah Beauvais with Love Bites right here on WARL 1320 The Drive. Be sure to listen to my show, Love Bites, every Tuesday, 8 to 10.
1: And now back to Revolution Recap with your host, John Donahue.
0: News Radio.
2: Welcome back to Revolution Recap. Joining me in studio is David Ackman. And two big games for the U.S. in the past week. The first game, obviously not going as the U.S. would have hoped. 3-0 loss to Czech Republic. But Czech Republic are the second-ranked nation in the world, and I think they showed it in that game.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think you can definitely see the skill that they have, you know, top to bottom, whether it's uh, Roshiki with those two wonder goals from, you know, way outside the box. I mean, those were... Uh, great strikes Or it was Kohler You know Just using his size advantage You know Just getting the head Early in the game Which really put The, revolution, uh, the US team
2: In a bind uh, At the same time Several of the US players I don't think Performed up Until their capabilities A guy like Landon Donovan Who the team counts on To do so much uh, Really didn't get Very involved in that game DeMarcus Beasley It seemed like he was afraid to take on anybody, and I think that was part of it. They didn't really have any good scoring opportunities in that game. Yeah, I mean,
3: you could even tell Beasley, has, he was always, you know, moving back towards his own goal, and so, I mean, when when you have your wingers doing that, it really puts, puts your team in a tough spot, because, you know, you're always in your own defensive end, and when that happens, it's it's tough to, you know, hold a team off for 90 minutes, especially one as talented as the Czechs.
2: And they, they had the possession in that game, uh, but I think that was really deceiving. A lot of that was in their own end, and Czech Republic played that kind of counter-attacking style, so... Uh, it, was a, it was an unfortunate loss for the U.S. I, I think they kind of seemed ner- nervous in that game and showed nerves and really didn't seem like they came fully prepared for that game. Bruce Arena said they were prepared, but Bobby Convy said they seemed a little confused and, and nervous in that game. And I think, uh, despite Bruce Arena denying that, that, that might have been part of it.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think you could tell they were all a little bit tentative and they were all, you know... One step behind the Czechs. I mean, in, in any sort of advantages they had against Portugal, which was you know good preparation and a good attack, didn't seem to be, you know, all that there against the uh, Czechs this time.
2: And the the f- change of formation at halftime, uh, changing to a three-five-two, I, I don't really think that worked out for them. As far as generating more offense, I don't think they w- that really uh, worked out. And bringing on uh, Eddie Johnson was a good move. He added some spark to the game. But other than that, I don't think that formation worked well for the team.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think it forced the wingers into a more, you know, wingback kind of role, especially with the way, you know, the Czechs were quickly counterattacking. You couldn't get caught with, you know, five or six guys up top. So it really, you know, almost slowed the wingers down in that situation.
2: And at the same time, uh, Bruce Arena, after the game, uh, kind of called out on some of his players, something that coaches don't usually do. And then Bruce Arena, I mean, DeMarcus Beasley responded, uh, kind of saying that maybe he shouldn't play defense He had to play so much defense in the second half, he couldn't uh, attack. Maybe he should just leave his man and go forward and attack. And it it almost seemed like there was kind of a rift there. And that's probably why we didn't see Beasley starting against uh, Italy.
3: And, I mean, I hope it's not, you know, just a, a dispute with the coach causing him not to start. But I think, you know, it really wasn't his best game. And if, you know, he had shown that sort of a game against Italy from the beginning, we would have been in some trouble. So, I mean, if it's a tactical switch, I'm all for it. But if it's, you know,
2: to just, you know, reprimand your player, I don't know if that was the time to do it. Certainly, Beasley's had uh, a subpar season for himself. He's been one of the better players for the U.S. and over abroad in Europe. Uh, I, he, hasn't, he hasn't had a good season overall, and for the U.S., it has, he hasn't had that great of a, uh, a year either. So I think it's really he needs to get out of that funk and get back into form because he knows he's a very important po- player for the U.S. when he's uh, on form. Yeah, on his game, he might be you know, the second
3: best uh, midfield player we have You know, I mean, at times maybe the third behind Reyna and Donovan, but I mean, when he's on his game, he's uh, he's quick, he's uh, got a lot of pace, and he's got a good shot too. So I mean, it's everything you can want from a winger.
2: And that game obviously left the U.S. in uh, tough position going into the rest of the group stages, uh, down uh, with a negative three goal differential and with zero points. Ghana also losing two to nothing the first match day to Italy. They were also down with a negative two goal differential. Uh, So both teams came into the next match day. Uh, looking for a win against the more difficult opponents in the group, U.S. played Italy, got a one-one tie. Ghana played Czech Republic, got a two-nothing victory. Uh, very impressive for Ghana, and also very important for the U.S.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think the Ghana win really opens the door for the U.S. I mean, regardless what they had done against um, Italy, it at least gave them, you know, somewhat of a chance in the third game. It wouldn't have been an easy way to come back, but you know, especially after getting the point against Italy, it, it leaves them with a chance with just a win to get in with uh, a good result in the other match too.
2: And the two scorers in that game, uh, Sully Muntare and Amoa Gayon, both of them received a yellow card, and both of them had a yellow card in their first game. So both of them are out for the U.S., and that's a positive sign... Uh, For the U.S., as there was only one other player in that game recorded a shot on goal, and that was Michael Essien. The game before, Michael Essien was the only other player to get any significant amount of chances.
3: Yeah, I mean, Essien's a very great player. I mean, at Chelsea, he shows that you know he can do pretty much anything from the midfield. But, you know, when you're two big, other guys are in, you know, you can key on one player. It's tougher to key on, you know, three guys like Amoa and Montari. I mean, those are two good players also. So, I mean, I think the U.S., if they, you know, man-mark Essien and then, you know, add
2: add a little bit of a double-team help every once in a while, they should be able to slow him down. And certainly, those two players, uh, Ghana is a really great team. They don't really have that many stars, but those two players are big players, both of them playing in Italy. Um, The replacements likely will come from a league like Denmark and Serbia, so I I think they'll have some less experienced guys out there, and maybe uh, this will work to the U.S.'s advantage.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, teams like Ghana, the U.S., I mean, they might have, you know, adequate depth, but, I mean, you know, you start getting out of the first, you know, line, and you can definitely see that it'll be at least a step
2: down, maybe two. And the U.S. will have to replace some players as well, uh, but we'll talk about that now. The U.S. versus Italy, uh, very tight game. I thought the U.S. played a very good first half. Uh, Then the red card, Daniel De Rossi on uh, Brian McBride, clear red card, elbows to the face. Uh, I thought that was ridiculous. If you watch the replay. Didn't, didn't make any intent to get the ball there uh, Just went for the hard elbow on his face And I'd be surprised if his exten- suspension doesn't get extended
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that was, you know Probably the easiest call of the game for the ref And he actually got that one right, which is good to see But, I mean, you know, he gashes uh, McBride right in the eye I mean, if that's an inch higher, you're, you know that's could be some serious trouble for McBride So, I mean, that's a clear red And, I mean, I've been hearing, you know Maybe upwards of three, four game suspension on top of that And, I mean, it wouldn't be out of the realm of, uh, you
2: know, logic to do that Talking about Brian McBride, it seems like uh, a- every five games you'll see him get come away with a big gash on his head. Uh, what a tough player he is to fight through that every game. Had to get three stitches, still went back out there, and was winning every head ball.
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, he's a tough guy. He, he never gives up, and he's and he's always in the middle of every, you know, physical encounter. So, I mean,
2: he does everything he wants in a target man, you know. And, of course, before that, Alberto Giardino had had scored the uh Game to give they scored a goal to give Italy the lead off of a free kick and that really put the U.S. in the back heel. But just five minutes later, Christian Arcado scored an own goal, helping the U.S. there. But at the same time, Brian McBride was right there at that post. If he hadn't touched that ball, it was going in anyway.
3: Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think I mean unless McBride really blundered that, I mean it was just going to be an easy tap in. He was definitely onside. So you know, I think that would have been one-one. The Chilardino goal, you know, that was just it looked just like the goal Germany scored against us the last World Cup. I mean, it was the same sort of free kick, the same sort of run. I mean, Pope just let his man run free, and,
2: you know, it was a pretty easy header from there. It it seems like uh, both of the early goals that have been scored in the U.S. have been in similar situations off of headers uh, close to goals from the taller players on the team. So the the U.S. really needs to be more prepared for that, and both times it seems like Eddie Pope was partially involved in uh, the misplay there.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think uh Aneu has done a good job of marking his man's on those kind of plays, but you know, Pope always seems to be you know half a step behind. I don't know whether it's him getting a little bit older or just you know not being up to what his old standards have been,
2: but you know, he seems to be giving a little bit of room at the back. And he also got the early yellow card uh, when he was fighting 50-50 with his man, but it seemed like his man was going to beat him, so he kind of leaned into him and knocked him over there. That was another situation uh, where he, he probably could have done better in avoiding that yellow card.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think. Uh, for the way he took it, I don't blame him, I, but I think he could have been better positioned and in a better, you know, better location and, you know, maybe anticipating that a little better so that it wouldn't have become a,
2: you know, a place where you had to take a professional foul there. And for, for kind of complete opposites of the Czech Republic game, the U.S. showed up uh, aggressive, ready to play, uh, more passion in their game, and, and they weren't. They were the better team in the first half up until the, the red card incident, and uh, soon after, D' Rossi's. Uh, Red card. Master one. he had a red card as well for uh, a hard, reckless slide tackle. But at the same time, questionable whether that's a red.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think in a, in a lot of situations, you know, he gets the ball and he gets the guy from the side with two feet. So I mean, you know, I mean, it could be a red, but you know, a lot of times in that situation, you'd, it'd be a, le- a yellow too. So I mean, it's a tough call. I mean, a lot of people are saying it's a makeup call for giving De Rossi the red, but I mean, that was a very clear red. So I don't know why he would
2: have needed to make a makeup call on that one. Certainly, I think giving the red earlier to Illy Made it easier for, to make that, for him to make that decision
3: Yeah, definitely I think you know if it was 11-on-11 11 11, That would have been a really, really harsh uh, call But you know, 11-on-10, it's still a difficult call But it's, it's
2: more understandable And the U.S. also had some good early chances With uh, Dempsey who got into the game early uh, Some nice moves to beat his defender on the right side there And also got across into Bobby Convey early on uh, Convey acres of space there but he put the the shot well over the net. He could have settled it and shot it with his left foot, opted to one time with his right foot, and uh, it was kind of disappointing for him to waste a chance like that.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think that ball was a really nice ball. I mean, a lot of people in the box, and it was, you know, it was at a position where anyone could have stuck their foot out and gotten a piece of it in front of the net, or they could have let it go all the way to Convey, And, uh, you know, he had a good chance. He had room, he had time, and uh, he just mishit it. I mean, and that's going to happen, you know. He's not an an out-and-out striker, so you can't expect him to score everyone, but, you know, you thought he would do better from there. And Dempsey
2: went forward, uh, also trying a long shot of his own. Went wide, but we've seen Dempsey have some good chances this year on long shots for the U.S. I think it was Japan-friendly where he had a a shot actually go off the crossbar from long-range distance, so it's good to see him getting forward. And he did not seem, he seemed fearless in that game. Not intimidated at all by the big names of Italy
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, he definitely had a great game And I mean, you know, the substitution wasn't anything to do with how he was playing I think it was more of a getting Beasley's, you know, a little bit of a uh, better defender on that right side So, I mean, I can see why the sub was made Especially, you know, when at that point it was down to, you know, we were down a man So I mean, it made sense, but up until then he had been having a great game
2: And then the U.S. had some other chances on free kicks uh, With Bobby Comby being taken out at the top of the box from behind uh, Couldn't take advantage of those but the U.S. still has yet to put a shot on target at, in this World Cup, other than Beasley's shot that went on later in the game for the goal, but that was declared offside due to McBride's involvement and in distracting the goalkeeper being right in front of him there. So it, it, it's a little worrisome that the U.S. has yet to put a shot on target.
3: Yeah, I mean, they've had you know good build-ups, they've had good chances, but it seems like they're all, you know, they're a couple feet high or a couple feet wide. And I mean, if, against Ghana, if that happens, they're going to be, you know, packing their bags. But I think, you know... Johnson had a couple of chances where he just misses the bar, you know, in the first game against the Czechs, and you know Dempsey skims that one ride. he uh, had that one long shot before he got the red card that was, you know, a great strike but just a little high. So I mean,
2: they're getting close but they just need to, you know, do a little bit better and keep it on target. Another part of it seems to be uh, unfortunately the ball going to the player's wrong foot. Convy obviously better with his left foot, had to take that shot with his right foot. Uh, McBride with a good chance. Uh, with an g- excellent chance later, late in the game To maybe give the U.S. the lead uh, Something that I think they would have deserved And it landed on his left foot and he shot it wide So uh, unfortunate in that sense
3: Yeah, I mean, you know, and that's just the way the ball bounces You can't really, you know, you can try to control it a little bit better But, you know, those bounces happen And you just got to try to take the shot when you can And if it's with your wrong foot, you can't expect as good of a result At the same
2: time, uh, maybe when it's, your, when it's with your wrong foot You should go more for placement than power uh, Both of them going over and wide, where it might have been better to at least try to test the keeper in that situation. Yeah, I mean, you know,
3: even with like the Beasley shot, you know, Buffon got the got his hands on it, but it still went through. I mean, goalkeepers aren't invincible. You put the shot on net, good things happen. Whether it's you know, you hit it and it deflects off of him to another player, or you know, he just mishandles it, things happen if it's on target. And then the other
2: red card was to Eddie Pope. Uh, Second yellow for his red. I think that was kind of a harsh call there. He seemed to have gotten the ball. It was a tackle from behind. But to me, that tackle was no different than the tackle from Nesta on on Bobby Conby earlier in the game. Um, I'm wondering if that's favoritism to the bigger team there.
3: Uh, I don't know if it's favoritism. I think it just shows, you know, how inconsistent that ref was all game. I mean, he was he was making some really strange calls. Um, you know, in a normal situation, if it's his first yellow, I could understand it. But that's a really harsh way to
2: give someone a red, especially when it's already ten on ten. I think the the whole game, the whole refereeing crew was poor. Uh, Italy had a goal called That was just allowed for offside Replay showed that that was clearly onside Uh, There were several other offsides. I'd say about 80% of their offside calls Were actually onside So they can feel hard done by as well
3: Yeah, I mean, I I don't think the refs Or the linesmen were good for either way I mean, I can remember a couple times When, you know, Italy was onside And they were called off When they were offside And they were called on I mean, those refs were all over the place And especially the linesmen too and
2: speaking of the ref, uh, a little surprising to see him doing this World Cup after just four years ago. He was, he was suspended from refereeing for uh, six months for uh, refereeing irregularities right around the time of the last World Cup.
3: Yeah, I mean, I, I, when I heard that, I was kind of trying to figure out what irregularities meant, and I mean, I haven't really found out what exactly what that meant, but, you know, when you get buy from the last World Cup, you'd, ha- you'd have to wonder why FIFA would pick him again for this one.
2: Also, he has refed a match of the U.S. before. Uh, U.S. versus Turkey um, in the Confederations Cup, in which the U.S. lost two to one. Called a penalty kick against the U.S. Uh, the Turkey forward had brought the ball down with his hand uh, well before the foul was even played. Missed that, and then he also gave a yellow card to Landon Donovan for arguing that. So it certainly, doesn't seem like he has a good history with the U.S. team. No, I
3: don't, and I just don't think he has a good history as a ref. Period. I mean, you know, you get suspended by your own federation,
2: and that I mean that shows a lot that you know he's just not a great ref. It's it's, it's strange to see some of these refereeing uh, mistakes and. Ask: Is this really the best refs the world has to offer? Uh, y- you can complain about MLS refs, seeing some of the mistakes they make, but certainly in this World Cup, there's been just as bad mistakes, if not worse, as seen in the U.S. Italy game.
3: Yeah, I mean that's not the only game that I've, you know, scratched my head on a couple of the calls. I think a lot of teams have made, uh, you know, had great pleas for penalties or great pleas, you know, for handballs, and the refs are just, you know, blind eyed towards some of the calls, and they're, you know, giving up cards. I, mean, I don't know how many cal- red cards have been given out so far, but it
2: seems like it's more than I can remember in a lot of tournaments. Some other key plays missed was that handball of Nesta when uh, he, he deflected the cross, but at the same time it was still going into the box, stuck his hand out and stopped it there. To me that was a uh, pretty blatant handball and a good call for a penalty for the U.S.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, he definitely raises his right hand. I mean, he gets it you know, on the way up with the hand, I mean. I don't know how he. You know, it's a tough call. I know a lot of times that you know they'll say that it's uh, it was uh, you know unintentional, but I mean he has the hand up almost shoulder level. I mean I don't know how many people you know are trying to defend a cross with their hand up
2: near their head. And the U.S. team, as I mentioned earlier, complete difference to how they came out against the Czech Republic team. Down nine men to ten for almost the entire second half. They they really stuck together, got the shutout. Casey Keller played an amazing game, had some great saves. Uh, at the same time, there were a few times Casey Keller could have distributed it better. Uh, maybe uh, ate some time off the clock rather than giving it right back to the opponents. But his saves kept the U.S. in the game and preserved that shutout—not yeah, the yeah. shutout, but the 1-1 tie.
3: Yeah, I mean, when it's not when it's uh, you know 10 on 9 for most of the game, one goal is almost as good as a shutout, I'd say. But uh, you know that one-handed save he made was a great one. Towards the end, the two-handed fist to the corner was a great save also. I mean. You know, and not only that, you know, he made a bunch of running, you know, diving stops when you know, before the forward could get onto it, even though, you know, they were called offsides, even though they shouldn't have been. So, I mean, he really had a good game. As you said, his distribution wasn't as good as it's been in the past, but you know, when your forwards are tired, your midfielders are tired from having to run around all game, it's it's tough to, you know, throw a pinpoint pass to someone.
2: Certainly some other players deserve credit for their great games. anyewu had an uh, excellent game marking Luca Tony from uh, Italy. Tony was the top scorer in Italy uh, last season, set records for most goals in Italy in something like over 50 years. So it was an excellent performance for him. Uh, really, a, he showed how good he could be against. Harold borghetti and mexico but this performance was against an even greater opposition
3: yeah i mean i think he played him very much the same way he plays borghetti and i think that worked out really well there's there's a similar kind of forwards i think tuning maybe a, a little bit more talented but you know they're both very good strikers and i think he played them both the same way he got physical on them he didn't give them much space and he you know used his height you know equality to you know nullify any sort of heading
2: advantage that the other guy should have and Bocanegra negra stepped in for uh, eddie lewis that another change there at left back uh Lewis got caught forward a few times during Czech Republic, particularly the their first goal, uh, which cost them. But in this game, Bocanegra played an excellent game. Getting forward, his crosses, uh, his, his distribution maybe wasn't quite as good. But defensively, uh, he was another one of those players that really kept the U.S. in the game, blocked some great chances for Italy to get it crossed in the box. Uh, a great game for him
3: Yeah, I mean, definitely I think, you know You can sell that he's been You know, he prefers the center back He was definitely very strong in defense You know, he didn't play horribly up the wing He he made his runs And, you know, tried to get involved I mean, you're not going to expect him To whip in crosses like Lewis would But, you know, he did what he was supposed to He didn't let, you know, the right wing Become a weakness Like it was
2: against uh, the Czechs And Steve Gerundelow I thought he played pretty well Against the Czech Republic He wasn't one of the players, to me That had one of his worst games Except that at halftime For a tactical decision but in this game, he was, had an excellent game, getting forward late in the game. He, he didn't really ever get caught out. He picked his spots to go forward, did well, um, got some great crosses in, uh, beat his man a few times, played some great give-and-goes. Uh, and to have that weapon coming forward from the defense... Really is a great Attribute for the U.S. To have going in This World Cup
3: Yeah definitely I can remember that one play Where you know He was one on one With his man You know And faked the cut inside And flicked it With his outside of his foot And ran onto it And got a cross in I mean plays like that And if your fullbacks Can do that And make sure That they have cover Behind them
2: Especially when you're Down a man Those are the
3: kind of plays That really You know Can turn a game for you
2: And both Bobby Convey And Dempsey uh, Had excellent games Got the better of their uh, Man several times Got some good crosses Into the box And Different, different game as far as the wings, where Czech Republic completely shut out the U.S. wingers. In this game, uh, they got a lot of joy out of the uh, Italian fullbacks and played uh, very good games.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think Dempsey had a great, did a great job. Made a couple nice runs, got you know some fancy footwork, got some crosses into the box, had some socks against you know the the defenders. I think he had a great game. Convy you know, recently has been really good. He's heading to the Premier Le- Premier League over in England for a reason, I think.
2: Convy also deserves credits for uh, sending in that free kick that led to the own goal.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think that was a good bender. I mean, he definitely had picked up McBride on the far post, and, you know, good bounces happen when
2: you get balls into dangerous areas. The other player who played uh, very well, Landon Donovan, certainly seemed almost invisible against Czech Republic. Exact opposite in this game, especially towards the end of the game. They got him the ball. He was dribbling by anyone and everyone. Uh, It seemed like the only way the Italians were able to get the ball off of him was by fouling him. And excellent game. What you want to see out of a leader like him.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think that was, you know, one of his better games I've seen in the past couple of years from the U.S. And I mean, you need that in in the World Cup, especially against the quality of Italy. You need guys like Donovan to step up, guys like, you know, Dempsey to make an impact, especially when they're not, you know, maybe as famous to the Italians, even though, you know, they didn't seem to know a lot of the players from the U.S. But um, I think it showed that, you know, Donovan was spraying passes. He got McBride the ball a couple of times. You know, if it was on the other foot, you know, they might have been goals.
2: Kind of surprising. Uh, that just two days before the game, uh, the Italians still couldn't name a single player on the U.S. Uh, give Piero credit for uh, getting Claudio Reyna as the one player, but uh, it's surprising that bad early before the game. It seems like they uh, they underestimated the U.S. almost after the performance against the Czech Republic. Yeah,
3: definitely, and I, I can see why. I mean, the Czechs, you know, really were clinical against the U.S. in, d- in dismantling that entire midfield. So, I mean, but you know, to not know any other the players, it really shows that you know the U.S. maybe outside. CONCACAF isn't really that respected. I mean, maybe FIFA might rank him highly, but, you know,
2: teams are still underestimating him. And the other thing to discuss is Bruce Arena's substitution strategy. Uh, Clint Dempsey played a great game. Maybe towards the end of the game was getting a little bit tired, brought in DeMarcus Beasley. Beasley, I thought, played uh, well defensively, but at the same time, for someone who came off the bench, he didn't get back as quickly as maybe he should have on a few of those chances. He got forward and had some good chances, but defensively... I thought he almost played maybe a little bit worse than Chucky Republic as far as hustling back when he lost the ball.
3: Yeah, I think he had, you know, it was a tough spot for him. I mean, he was almost trying to act almost like looked like a second striker at times and at other times, you know, a, a winger, and at other times, you know, he was sort of hustling back. So it was a tough way to evaluate him. I mean, if that goal had gone in, we probably would have been talking about how great of a game he had.
2: The other substitution was Jimmy Conrad coming in for Bobby Convey to m- make the back line. Uh, originally, they had moved... Uh, Carlos Bocanegra Into center back His preferred position Actually And then move Bobby Convy back To left back Uh, Convey obviously Defense isn't his Preferred position So they brought In Jimmy Conrad To move more To move everyone back Into where they're More used to playing I thought Jimmy Conrad Had a good game Coming off the bench Considering the situation He was being put into
3: Yeah I mean that's tough I mean you know Coming out for a reason Such as a red card You know it's not Something you know where you know, you're expecting to jump in for that kind of a reason. Usually, your center-backs stay in for a long time. So, you know, I think he did well, especially without having the preparation, and especially against the forwards like Aya
2: Quinta and Luca Toni. The one question was, the U.S. did have one substitution left that they did not use. Uh, a guy like Eddie Johnson had such a great game. DeMarcus, I mean, Brian McBride looked pretty tired by the end of that game. Might have been a good idea to sub in Eddie Johnson. But at the same time, Italy used all their subs early, and they saw with Parada getting injured and having to stay out there f- on the field hobbling around maybe he made the right decision saving that sub
0: yeah
3: I think you know that's always a tough spot for a coach you know especially you know once the guy's injured like parada he was basically just acting like a fifth defender and I mean it's a tough spot I mean especially if someone goes down now you're playing two men down and that's difficult I mean for Italy it's not so bad because you know now you're just even with an extra defender in the back but if you're down two men especially in that situation where you have to get at least a point it, it, I can't blame him for you holding on to that sub
2: The other option that was late in the game substitutions we've seen in the past be used as time wasting strategy. Uh, He maybe could have done that, especially with uh, all the long balls Casey Keller was kicking. Some of some of them uh, out of bounds, wasting time for throw-ins. Take another 30 seconds off the clock, bring in that substitution. They probably could have used that.
3: Yeah, I mean, yeah, maybe if you know in the last couple, you know, right next to injury time or something, bring someone on. It probably wouldn't have been the worst idea. But I mean, I can't fault them for wanting to you know have an insurance policy.
2: And then the big game coming up against Ghana Uh, Pablo Mastroianni, Eddie Pope out due to the red cards Uh, Who do you expect to fill in for those players? I think you'll probably see
3: Eddie Lewis move back to left back and probably Bocanegra slide into the middle. I mean, I think that would make the most sense. And Mastroini, if John O'Brien's back to full strength, I, wouldn't, I would see him maybe sliding right in and staying with the same formation if they want to play the 4-5-1. Or maybe you could do something and play a 4-4-2 four, four, and throw Johnson up top for uh, Mastroini and just slide and uh, rein into the defensive midfield
2: role. At the same time, they could bring in a guy like Jimmy Conrad, who played so well in this game, and stick with uh, Carlos Bocanegra at left back but also they're gonna they need a win against Ghana, so maybe the offensive approach with Eddie Lewis at left back getting in those crosses uh, certainly great threat to have Eddie Lewis and Steve Turnlow as your two full backs.
3: yeah, definitely I mean they both have shown you know the tendency to go forward and I mean as long as maybe you know they have a little better communication on when the midfielders need to you know cover back at, on the counter attacks, I mean I think they should be okay
2: and I think the the u s has gotten a little bit lucky with some of the suspensions to their opponents Czech uh, Public really, without a forward, without any of their key forwards, due to injuries, and also now without uh, one of their top defenders, due to the red card, in that game. So, that'll be an advantage for Italy, and the U.S. really need Italy to win this game, for them to advance. Uh, a tie, or a, a loss by Italy, would mean the U.S. would have to make a goal differential, which, at this point, is, seems nearly impossible, unless they were to get something like a 7 to nothing win against Ghana which does not seem likely the way Ghana's been playing.
3: No, I mean I think Ghana, you know, you might be able to beat them one or two nothing, but I don't think you're going to go out and score enough to turn around the the big goal differential and I think, you know, Italy though, Italy has a lot of reason to play, you know, for the win in this match. I mean, a draw and if Ghana can manage to beat the US, all of a sudden they'd be playing Brazil in the next round. So, I don't think you're going to see Italy coast into this match, especially, you know, with Brazil looming rather than, you know, Australia or maybe Croatia or Japan. I think it gives Italy all the reason to go for three points.
2: That's certainly another thing that works to the U.S.'s favor. Uh, Italy didn't seem to be uh, playing their best against the U.S. maybe didn't have the motivation, whereas the U.S. did have the motivation after coming off the loss to Czech Republic, needing a result there. So with Italy needing to get the win and having to play for the win if they're going to guarantee avoiding Brazil, uh, that's that's a good opportunity for the U.S. to get the win against Ghana and hopefully have that result farther away.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think it's it's probably the best thing that could have happened to the U.S. Although, than you know, if they had beaten Italy, but I mean, I think everything works out. You know, Czech Republic's going to be shorthanded. They're not going to have Užvaluši, you know, in the back line. They're not Going to have, you know, they might have barrels at, you know, marginal percentage, but I mean, I think they're really going to have a tough time getting any goals against Italy unless
2: it's coming from the midfield like Nedved or Roshiki. And certainly the other results have been following the U.S.'s way. Uh, Brazil's struggling a little bit against Australia, but with that win, it does put the pressure on Italy to get the win.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think that was huge. I mean, if Australia had managed to get a draw, well, then, you know, Italy might be able to, you know, not worry too, too much about coming in second because it's still a chance that, you know, Brazil would end up in a uh, second also so uh, it's a tough spot but you know Brazil managed to get those two late goals which is key for us I think
2: at the same time not to get ahead of ourselves if the US do happen to advance and face Brazil Brazil certainly not in the best form that we've seen them in certainly in the last World Cup they were really more of a dominating team where in this World Cup uh, as we saw against Australia they gave away some great chances that Australia should have done better with and if they had done better, what could have gotten a result out of that game?
3: Yeah, definitely. I think Bresciano, you know, was just inches wide a couple times. And, you know, I mean, I think, you know, Brazil only scoring three goals in two games, I mean, it's not, you know, the most surprising, you know, thing. I mean, I if you look around, I mean, teams like Argentina have eight goals already. I mean, if, you know, if it was someone like that, I'd say, you know, I'm really worried. I mean, of course it's Brazil, so I'm not going to say that we'd be, you know, any sort of, you know, even
2: money on the odds or anything. But, you know, it's not as bad as it was maybe four years ago. Certainly, going into this tournament, Brazil were the favorites, but now you have to look at teams like Argentina, who had that amazing six-to-nothing victory over Serbia and Montenegro. That's a Serbia and Montenegro is a team that only allowed one goal through all qualifications, so that's no easy feat to put six goals past them. And they also have the great result against Ivory Coast. Ivory Coast have been playing very well in this tournament, and maybe a little unfortunate to be in that tough group and get knocked out this early, but. Argentina have really proven to be the best team of this tournament so far
3: yeah definitely I think our Argentina has really looked great Crespo's been on great form Raquel has been spraying passes Maxi Rodriguez has been great I mean it's been you know they've just been a great tour- team in this tournament I mean Ecuador has been a surprise it's been a lot of great games so far
2: and some other teams like France have been kind of disappointing with two draws so far against Switzerland and South Korea
3: yeah, I mean, especially today, after getting the early lead I thought they would have been able to put some more pressure on Korea But they just, you know, it never materialized They let Korea get the equalizer All of a sudden, Korea's, you know, top of the group They have to face a tough Switzerland team next time But, you know, there's a good chance that, you know, with another
2: upset All of a sudden, France could be, you know, conceivably back, in, back home in the next week and other teams that have underperformed have been England but at the same time they're in the same situation as Brazil underperforming but still getting the full three points out of both their matches
3: yeah I mean I think you know look at a lot of the uh, headlines over in England it's a win is a win three points is three points and I mean I guess that's true especially in the group round you know you don't have to do it pretty as long as you're getting results that's all that matters
2: and Trinidad and Tobago got off to a great start with that draw in the first World Cup match smallest nation going into this uh, a population of one million uh, one eighteenth of the number of people who play soccer in the US so that's an amazing result for them and they played fairly well against England as well I actually thought they played better against England uh, more offensively got some good chances with Cornell Glenn coming off the bench unfortunate to concede the late goals but their team that still is in this and could, could advance to the next round in a similar situation as the U.S. is right now.
3: Yeah, I mean, they got the uh, probably the other easiest team in the group uh, in Paraguay, and if uh, England can manage to beat Sweden, because, I mean, if they're going to not let tra- uh, Sweden get the uh, result against them, because or else they'd finish second and might have to face Germany if Germany can win. So, I mean, it's a tough group. I mean, if, if Trinidad can get a win against Paraguay
2: and things go their way, they could uh, conceivably in, be in the round of 16. And with Paraguay already eliminated from the tournament, uh, it'll be interesting to see how they come out. Certainly with the U.S. in the last World Cup, we saw Poland come out, uh, play their best game of the tournament, and beat the U.S. after the U.S. had come off with a win and a draw. Uh, Almost knocked the U.S. out of the tournament. Luckily, the other result fell their way. So you never know what to expect out of a team that's been eliminated. Yeah, I
3: mean, some nations will, you know, they'll come out and they'll try to, you know, show that, hey, we're not as bad as we were in the first two games, or, you know, maybe we just got a little unlucky. Other teams will fold it in and head home, and, I mean, you never can really tell until the game starts how it's going to go.
2: And we're going to wrap things up now, but... Uh, What's your favorite to win the World Cup right now?
3: Uh, I think right now it's going to be Argentina, but you look at teams like uh, uh, Brazil, you know they're never going to be out of it. And Spain looked decent in their first match. uh, And even uh, the Netherlands had a good couple matches too.
2: And certainly two marquee games coming up uh, with Holland versus Argentina. As you mentioned, that should be an excellent game. Uh, And and also also Italy versus Czech Republic, which has big implications on the U.S., And for everyone here, the U.S. versus Ghana.
3: Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, it's going to be a great week coming up. Uh, These are all, you know, a lot of these games have a lot to say with who goes on, and uh, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how it all works
2: out. And the Argentina-Netherlands game can be seen on June 21st at 3 o'clock p.m. on ESPN. And then the U.S. game against Ghana can be seen the following day at the same exact time as Czech Republic versus Italy. Uh... It's going to be hard to keep an eye on both those matches at the same time, both of those at 10 a.m. on June 22nd.
1: Yeah, you're listening to 1320. And we're going to wrap things up here. I'd like to thank Dave for
2: joining me in the studio. Uh, I'd like to thank my board operator for doing such a great job tonight. Uh, And you can listen to archives at revolutionrecap.com. And thanks for joining us tonight.